Hello, church. It's good to be with you today. I hope you're doing well. I hope that you are handling this time uh, with God's grace and that you are staying uh, in Him in this time and that you are just using this time to be uh, closer to Him and to be closer to maybe your family if you've been together with them. Maybe you feel like you're a little stuck right now, but this is actually a great opportunity, and hopefully we're winding down on the closed-in part, but it is a good opportunity to get closer to those that you uh, maybe have been uh, running, 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 running uh, with alongside, and you're doing your thing, and they're doing their thing, and you don't have a lot of just alone time like this. So we can use this to our advantage, even hopefully the little bit we have left. So I just hope that you're doing well. Um, I've been praying for the church uh, consistently through this entire process and just um, putting you before the Lord and putting your situations before him and just praying for God to do something in us through this. I truly believe his scriptures, his word says that he works all things together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I believe that God is going to do something miraculous in us and through us uh, during this time and then ultimately when we come out of this time. So uh, with that, let's just get into his word today. I'm excited to preach to you today. I want to build up your faith today. I want to encourage you today and give you life, hopefully. Um, you're not at the uh, at your your very edge and uh, and, and trying to uh, break out uh, too soon. Let's just let God keep doing what He's doing and uh, just trust Him all the way through this whole process. But I want to encourage you that God is on our side. God is for you. God still has a plan and a purpose for you and for His church and for this time. And I just want to uh, get into his word. We're going to look at the book of John, uh, chapter 20. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday last week. And I began to talk about this, uh, this mystery that Jesus did, uh, this mystery that God had planned before the ages where Jesus went into the unseen. God is in the unseen. God is in the unknown place. He works outside of our reality, and he has manifested himself enough into our reality to know that he is real, but ultimately he is not in this reality in, uh, in the visible sense, in the tangible sense. And, and so God did something in the unseen just as he always has been, and it surprised the world. In fact, it even surprised Satan. Even Satan didn't know what was happening on that cross. So I just want to, as we look at the book of John here, chapter 20, I want to continue uh, right from there, because now Jesus is resurrected. And uh, if you're out there listening, just say the mystery is still 
Continuing. All right, so some mysteries have been revealed. Jesus died and he rose again. All right, that was a mystery that what Jesus was going to do. Uh, and, and yet he also told them plainly, but the mysterious part was how God was going to use it to ultimately redeem humanity from our sin and from death and from the hand of Satan and rescue us and set us in him next to the Father, that's in Christ, next to the Father, uh, which is preserving your human life here on earth and then ultimately giving you a place in eternity after this human life. So the mystery, though, is continuing because Jesus is now alive. That's done. It's finished. The cross is finished. But it says in John chapter 20, verse 19, that that Sunday evening, that's the Sunday that he was resurrected. He had already uh, appeared to the Marys, and now he is coming to see the disciples. Verse 19 the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I want you to picture yourself sitting there in that room locked away with the disciples. I want you to picture yourself sitting in there, and Jesus appears. I want you to see yourself there and see the joy, see the excitement. I want you to picture Jesus. And it says that, well, come on, while you're sitting there with them, it says that they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. So if you're sitting there with them, I just want you to picture yourself filled with joy right now, seeing him alive again. But it says in verse 24 that one of the 12 disciples, verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the other disciples when Jesus came. Now, uh, Thomas gets a bad rap. He's called Thomas the Doubter in Christianity, which I think is, is completely wrong. Uh, it's uh, a, a misuse uh, uh, of who Thomas is. Thomas was not the doubter. He doubts in this moment, which we're about to read. If you're a Christian, you already know that, so I'm not taking the surprise away. Uh, but he also is the same Thomas who said previous right before the cross, let us go and dine with him. So Thomas is not Thomas the doubter. He's Thomas the human being. I want you to say that. He's Thomas the human. Or actually, you can say he's Thomas and he's just like me. All right, because Thomas, like you and I, as much as we can try to imagine sitting in that room with Jesus, none of us did. None of us saw him resurrected. None of us saw him come in and show him uh, and show himself to them and show himself to us and say, peace be with you. None of us heard Jesus say, peace be with you in that room. So we are just like Thomas. We didn't see that moment. So 
It says in verse 25, they told him, we have seen the Lord. Okay, the Bible says that the Lord is risen. Jesus is risen. All right, Christians have told the world Jesus is alive. Christians have told you before you were saved, right? They preached to you Jesus is alive. And just like Thomas, I think everybody has gone through this, this uh, process inside themselves, uh, maybe not to the full extent. Maybe you say, no, I always believed. It's just not true. You didn't always believe. You had to decide to believe. And he said, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. In other words, he said, I'll believe in God, but he's going to have to come down here. This is 2020. I'll believe in Jesus, but he's going to have to come down here and show himself to me. It's not enough that you are telling me that you saw him. It's not enough that the Bible, which is so thick, it takes the uh, average good reader a year to really get through it and retain it. And, and all that has been preserved for us, that's not enough. I need God to send Jesus back down to the earth and come into my room and stand there before I'll believe. Now, it's amazing. I've heard testimonies of Jesus doing that uh, for Muslims, and they have such a good heart. They want to truly know God, but they're misdirected on who God is. And Jesus has appeared to them and revealed that he is the true God that they've been seeking. And, uh, and, and that's amazing. And I believe that testimony. Some people don't believe that, but I believe that that happened for them. But Jesus doesn't do that every time. In fact, I'll be bold enough to say that he doesn't do that often, even uh, barely at all. Now, we could say why, and we can argue and just say, well, Jesus, if you're real, why don't you just appear to everybody? Why don't you just show yourself to everybody? Why don't you just stand there like you did with the disciples and show, show us all your wounds? Then there would be no doubt. We wouldn't have any doubt. But it says something to us today. Come on, church, I want you to hear this. It says something to us. All right, and we're celebrating. This is this is the perfect timing because this is now after the resurrection. We celebrated the resurrection this week, and we're going right into the post-resurrection this week. And let's just look at how this can apply to us today. It says, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now, this is incredible because Jesus is so faithful to his disciple Thomas that he does come again. Now, he comes to him again and appears to him again, uh, appears to the disciples again and made sure that Thomas was there. And Thomas now, uh, his doubts are going to be uh, shattered. It, he can be dealt with um, uh, properly. 
and uh, by the Lord, and, and, and the Lord's about to speak to him, and it says that, uh, he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, verse 27, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. You may know it as the New King James and more traditional text says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. So he didn't believe unless he could see with his own eyes and touch with his own hands. Okay, now I want you to understand this. He wanted his human senses of sight and touch to boost his faith. Unless his human senses could be activated. Now, I'm not trying to be wordy, trying to be complex, but just think about this. Unless his human senses could be involved in his belief, then he wasn't going to believe. Because otherwise, he would have just had to believe because they told him to believe. Believe us because, hey, we love you. We're your fellow disciple, and we saw him. Why don't you just believe us? But he said, I need my human senses Unless my human senses are involved in my belief process, I'm not going to believe. And verse 28 says that he said, My God, my Lord, and my God, Thomas exclaimed. My Lord and my God. So he knew suddenly now it was Jesus when he could humanly when he could humanly touch him and humanly see him. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now, I don't have the exact answer. I can't give you an answer from the Lord because he didn't tell us exactly why he doesn't show himself to everyone. But Jesus did tell us this. He told us, basically, Thomas, blessed are those who believe because the Bible says so. Blessed are those, Thomas, who believe because I was prophesied for thousands of years, and I did exactly what was prophesied. Blessed are those who believe based on those truths alone and not because your human senses, that's your five senses, your human nature got to experience me that you believe. And I want to preach something just for a few minutes today that we as Christians must come to a place. There is a blessing, in fact, in this place that I'm about to talk about. There is a blessing in a place that is not reliant upon a sign from God. It is not reliant upon feeling a certain way. 
We must get to a place like Jesus talked about with Thomas, and we will be blessed if we get to this place where we believe without seeing and we believe without touching him. Now, if you're out there listening to me and you're a Christian, you're saying, okay, preacher, I believe that. I mean, who are you talking to? If you're talking to me, I already believe that. I've already dealt with that. So this is a little redundant. I already believe. But uh, I'm talking to the non-Christian first who doesn't believe because they haven't seen or touched. And Jesus warned that we don't need to see and touch him to believe. We need to believe because we've been told of the truth because it was prophesied and fulfilled. Because others have seen them, and they wrote down their stories and told us, and we can just believe that they're telling the truth. Much like a mother that tells a child that burner's hot, and some children still have to touch it. They have to put their senses, they have to get their senses, their human nature involved in that belief process until, <laughs> to finally believe. And, uh, and, and they're burned, they're scarred because of it. Uh, but the Lord told us that there is a blessing for us to believe without seeing, believe without touching, without being involved in our human part. There's a blessing for believing. And so maybe you out there are already a Christian. You already believe that Jesus died and he rose again and he's your savior. But I think like most of us, we go through moments And so if this doesn't apply to you today, then just pocket this sermon for a time when your faith is shaken. Because I promise you at some point in your life, if not during this exact time, and I think many during this time can get something from this, your faith, your belief will be shaken. And you are tempted to say, God, I need to see you move I need to see you do something. I need to see something miraculous because I don't believe right now. Or I, I, or maybe it's not so uh, strong of wording, but you're even coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, my, my belief and my faith, it, I'm being honest with you, it's being shaken right now. I'm not quite sure what I believe right now. Or I want to believe so bad, but if I really, really am honest with myself, I don't know what I believe. So these might be some of the things going through your heart. And I want to just help you today. I want to settle you today that the Lord wants to preach to us what he preached to Thomas, just to believe him because he's God. And this is such a difficult thing for us as humans because we are using our senses. We're using our five senses for everything we do. They, The five senses, they help us. They navigate us through this natural world, and they also uh, tell us of danger, and they also tell us of good things. You know, we can taste that something is good, and we can taste that something might be poison, and so we have those human senses for a reason, and they are there to help the human part of you. But true faith, true belief in God, as we can see here with Thomas is not contingent upon your five senses. Your faith in Christ must be settled 
in a deeper place in you than the human part of you. Even the five senses, they all kind of merge together and they get to this place, this mystery place that the world calls the gut. And they say things like, trust your gut. And uh, sometimes the gut is right and sometimes the gut is wrong. I don't rely on my gut. I rely on the Holy Spirit. I rely on God because sometimes my perceptions have lied to me and my gut is not telling the truth. And those that do trust their gut and get things right, sure, there's some perceptions in there that they use, but maybe the Holy Spirit was helping them and they don't even realize it and they think it's themselves. But all my point is that all of your senses are are trying to, they're collectively working to create a reality in you. Uh, uh, you are perceiving things and understanding things around you and touching and tasting and looking and seeing, and you're creating a reality in your mind at all times. And right now, like our reality is shaken, and we don't know what to think because we're being told so many different things from so many different sides. I mean, that's just, this is, that's not my sermon, but I just, I think today it helps create a good example of how, uh, you know, you can see things and hear things, but really not know anything. I mean, we don't know. And everybody thinks they know. We're going to find out who knew and who didn't know. And that's that. I'm going to leave that there. But our perceptions uh, are, and, and, and our senses, uh, we're creating a reality. And our reality must be separate from the human reality. Because we must be anchored in heaven. We must choose today to be anchored in God's word and anchored in the truth that Jesus told us. We must choose today to believe what Jesus said, even though there are mockers and scoffers who uh, have come especially in this modern time, and have come up with all of these reasons why he's not real, and now are using quote-unquote science to prove that God does not exist, and, and that will increase, that will only increase, that they will be able to tell your human senses uh, by, with fact and, and with, with uh, a multifold report um a uh, uh, video and uh and and of the of space and uh, and of earth and and they'll tell you this is what happened and this is how it happened and and uh this you know we we evolved into that or this alien created and what anything but god and they'll have all their facts and they're going to prove that it's a farce and that many were crucified, not just Jesus, and that he didn't rise from the dead, and so on. So we have chosen to believe uh, already. You have to realize that the moment you chose to believe, um, it was not based on senses. Now, I love, I've said this before, I love when God crosses over that boundary from the heavenly, where my spirit is. You have to realize Colossians tells us and Romans tells us that your spirit is instantaneously with Christ at salvation, but your human body is still on earth. And many times uh, the uh, experience that I'm having with God in my spirit, man, which is, is much of the time unknown, 
except that you have a joy that you can't describe and a hope that you can't describe and, uh, and that you know that you know. So that there's this unknown place where you have this stability in Christ um, in us, but sometimes it crosses over into the natural and we see God in a way that encourages our five senses. You know, we see God do something miraculous or we, we feel the love of God in our human body. You know, you might call it warmth or goosebumps or whatever. And, and I'm, I don't anchor my faith to those things, but I love when it does cross over, when I know it's God, when I'm having a spiritual experience with God, okay, where I've chosen to believe whether I feel him or not, but then I do feel him. I love that. I just have chosen to not anchor my faith based on feeling him or not feeling him. And uh, this is exactly what was happening post the resurrection, just like we are at, okay, we are, we're, we're literally the week after we celebrate it in one sense, so this was a good time to preach it, but we live post the resurrection, in fact, 2,000 years post the resurrection. This is the time where we must do what Jesus told Thomas to do, uh, which was to believe without seeing. Our faith must be belief without seeing. Now, I, I believe, this is just my opinion, but I believe that the Lord crosses over into the senses, into the natural, all the time, and He's constantly proving Himself. We either are unaware of it, uh, or it didn't come in the way we expected, or in the time we expected. That's a big one, church. So we actually miss God but I think he's actually crossing over and proving himself all the time, even though he doesn't have to. He did not have to come and do that for Thomas. And he tells us, you're blessed if you'll just believe because I told you or because my faithful servants are telling you. So Jesus is saying that people would be blessed if they'll just believe the preacher. And you're the preacher. Okay, you have the gospel within you, and you are sharing that gospel with people around you, and Jesus tells us that they'll be blessed if they'll just believe what you're saying without you having to prove it whatsoever. Now, God does prove himself, and I, I, I'm not opposed to when people say, you know, pray to the Lord, God, you prove yourself to me. I'm not saying that they can't do that, but I'm not... I don't think that's the best way. God, you prove yourself to me. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not saying you can't and that he hasn't done that. But it can be dangerous. I'm saying disclosure. It can be. Because again, the way that he shows himself and proves himself to us may not be what we expected. And our perceptions of the things that God is doing uh, and... Uh, our perceptions of the things that are happening in the world, and we have a, our perception is, in, is also being influenced by what Satan is doing. And they're all constantly kind of merging in and out of each other, and we are creating a picture of what reality is. So let me just, just give you an example. So God saves you uh, from a car wreck. 
All right, God supernaturally saves you from a car wreck. Now, simultaneously, though, you were texting and driving. So you interacted into this car accident. Uh, you had some, some part in it, and God came in and supernaturally protected you from dying in that car accident or, or completely you know, gets you to swerve away from the car accident. And then the devil is there. He's kind of in between all of it and, and, and telling you uh, that it was chance that you didn't hit that pole and that you just happened to look up at the right time and that people, some people crash, some people don't, and chance happens all the time, and blah, 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 blah. We've heard the story before. Meanwhile, now, God absolutely 100% intervened, but your human mind now is, I mean, you're like, well, technically, I was on the phone. I was looking down. I'm looking up. I'm looking down. I'm looking up. I looked up at the right time. And anyway, you know, that's not some amazing, like, uh, uh, earth-shattering example. It's just a really simple example. But the point is, is that if you are trying to find God and trying to constantly perceive with your human part where God is helping you, where he's being God and not being God, and, and what your part is, and Satan's trying to muck it all up and make it a big, giant mess all the time. But we must believe that God has our best in mind just because he said it, not because we see it, not because we are experiencing it. Our faith cannot be experiential. Although, again, I love when I experience God, I don't base my faith on the experiences of God, just as Jesus warned Thomas don't base your faith on this experience. I love you enough that I showed up to you again, but you shouldn't need this, is what he's saying. And we don't need the experience. We just need to believe. Faith really is blind. And I know that there's a, a whole, you know, uh, people don't like when we say that because God has definitely showed himself. And I'm going to read some verses here. But he's blind at least, or our faith is definitely blind to our natural, to the human eye, or to the, to the, uh, the mind's eye. Let's say that is. That's, all, that's your taste, your touch. It's all your senses creating this, this, uh, this eye inside you. And I'm not talking about the all-seeing <laughs> some some eye in you and be a new age. I'm just saying that there's a place in us that we use our senses and we we perceive things, okay, that eye, that, that, it's that, it's that reality. We don't live there, okay? Christians don't live there because that thing will lie to you, all right? The heart is somewhere in the mix of all that, and the, and the scriptures tell us that the heart is the most deceitful thing of all, okay? It lies to you because uh, we don't know. We're, we're creating a perception in us, but we don't really know what is truth and what isn't truth. And so that's why we must have an anchor. We have the Word of God as the anchor, and we have the Holy Spirit who is bringing that Word of God to light, and He's reminding us of His Word, okay? He reminded the disciples of the Word of God throughout their 
uh, time after Christ, and they penned it down. And then we are to be reminded of it by the Holy Spirit even today. And many times, uh, without seeing, without knowing, and we're asking God, you know, you need to show yourself, you need, I need a sign or something, but a scripture will just drop into your heart, and suddenly, if you let it, those that have let it ha- let it do its work in you, you have peace, and you have joy, and you have hope. Hopefully, this is making some sense. Um, but basically, you know, we all have different stories uh, about God and 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 how He got us to where we are right now. We all have a different story, uh, but none of us have seen God in the flesh and blood. None of us have seen heaven to know uh, uh, that it's really there after this. And, and yet, uh, we believe. Many don't believe for exactly those reasons that they haven't seen. But we believe. We've come to the conclusion deep within our souls that I've seen enough, I've reasoned enough, I've been preached to enough that I believe. But our faith must be even deeper than that. It must be deeper. And we must come to terms with something, I think, uh, that will strengthen our faith. And and I'm going to get into that just for a few minutes, but before I do, I just want to read something out of Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1, verse 19, we read, it says, They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities. I love how the NLT says that, because what he's saying is, is uh, if you just, uh, even though we don't need our perceptions, if you live in this earth, we should be aware of God. You should be able to just live on this earth and know that he exists. That's what Romans 1 is saying. And it goes on to say, it says, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Romans 1 tells us just by living on this earth, we don't have an excuse for not knowing God. There's no excuse. And uh, they hadn't seen him. It literally says his invisible qualities All right, so even though he's invisible, Christ was invisible to Thomas until he was visible. And Christ is invisible to us until one day he will be visible. But right now he's invisible. But I can see past. I can see beyond my five senses, beyond that mind's eye, okay, beyond that perception and reality that is constantly changing and we're creating. Beyond that, I'm seeing with a spiritual vision, with eyes to see, as Jesus calls them, and ears to hear. We're looking to his word and trusting the prophets of old, trusting those scriptures, our truth, and we are taking this natural earth that we live in, the beauties of this earth and the beauties of life, and the beauties of bringing children and raising children on this earth and seeing God's nature in and out of, of, uh, of natural nature and so on, 
And and just like Romans 1 says, the invisible becomes visible for us. In fact, that we have no excuse. In verse 21, it says, They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. This is what I want to get to for us today. We must choose to believe, and I know this is so redundant uh, as a Christian to hear this, and especially if you listen to me often, I am uh, such a believer, and it's going to sound funny, but it's a reality today, uh, in his word. Now, that should be normal, except so much of Christianity uh, doesn't believe his word, or they've modified his word, or we make his word fit to society, or we make it fit to our times, but we must believe his word of God for what it is and what it says as it is, and just believe, and not need him to complement it or add to it in any way. And when he does complement or add to it, it's just a bonus. It just it shows us the, the love of God, the, the grace of God. It just gives us comfort and hope, but it's not necessary. It's just God being good to us, if that makes sense. We have already decided, because this is what's going to happen. If we don't decide that that's it, we just believe his word, and the devil sees that all he has to do is shake your faith or create situations that make you doubt, then what do you think your life's going to look like? Your life will be so shaken at every, you'll just be shaking, shaking, shaking. He'll just try to keep you in that place of shaking because he sees the strategy for you is that if I can shake your faith, then you will be in that place of doubt and unbelief like the Israelites were in the wilderness after Egypt. But if he looks at you and he sees that you are not shaken, even though your world is shaken, even though your senses are perceiving a shaking and your senses, your, the human part of you can't grasp what's happening, you don't understand what God is possibly doing right now, you can't make sense of your situation, but you still believe him anyway. Just because he said that he would never leave you and never forsake you, do you believe because he said it and not because that's what you're feeling right now? If you will get to that place, then he will have no place in you. He can just, there's nothing he can touch in you. He can't get to you. But if you are constantly shaken every single time something uh, comes in to try to shake your world. If it tries to shake your world and you're shaken, then he's just going to keep shaking you and keep you in that place. I'm not talking about, I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. I'm not telling you your salvation is shaking necessarily. Some people do get shaken out of that. Some people literally have, walking, have walked away from God. Some people have just walked away. We, I see it uh, every day. I hear about another Christian that I looked to or knew about, you know, in the last decades that has walked away. 
and have, has now decided to become an agnostic or an atheist or whatever or switch to another religion. Uh, some people do. But I, I'm not saying that he's going to shake you out of salvation, but your life here on earth will be miserable if you base your faith on what you feel, on what your reality is in this natural world, uh, if you base your faith in God on those things, your life will be miserable. But we must be uh, foolish, the Bible says, in the world sense, because uh, it says in Romans 1 that they thought they were wise and they thought up ideas about God. So. Uh, they, they they use their senses, their human mind. It's like it doesn't make sense. We 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 know there 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 there's enough things around us that okay, there's probably a God. What's he look like? What's he like? I'm not gonna believe his word. I'm just gonna try to create that myself. And people are still doing that today. New religions are still being created today. Even new sects of Christianity are still being developed. Present tense. Because there are things about God's word that they don't like or don't make sense to their natural senses, so they modify them, and then before you know it, they're off into some other form of what was Christianity, which is not Christianity at all anymore, like Christian science. And now they're just out there in that new age place, they're, they're relying on that mind's eye, and they're relying on that those senses to... Uh, uh, to give them some sort of a false reality of who God is or what God is and what life is and what Christianity is and so on. And, and, it, and it becomes weird, and that's where it will always go. We cannot decide to believe God based on circumstances. We must choose to believe in Jesus whether he shows us the wounds in his hands and the wound in his side or not, we must believe him now. Because if we are constantly looking and demanding for that sign, and, and I'm not saying that Jesus is incapable of doing that for you, but many have gone that way and they've gotten in confusion and uh, they may have lost a loved one, they lost a father or a mother to a sickness, and so you know they're already in doubt. And, and I have not seen that doubt erased by some miraculous vision from God. Um, they ultimately are only shaken out of it because they choose to uh, forgive uh, and to let go and say, God, I don't understand, but I know that you are God, and I'm going to humble myself like James says. That's the only strategy that, that we have against the devil and against unbelief is to humble ourselves before the Lord, and he lifts us up. That's how we resist this world. That's how we resist our flesh that wants, the flesh wants to doubt God because the flesh is trying to perceive and try to figure it out. But we resist it by humbling ourselves. And what humility really is before God is saying, I don't care what I think and what I feel. I don't care what it looks like. I, in fact, Lord, thank you that you don't look at my yesterday. Thank you, Lord, that, that you forgive me of what the world says, I deserve this, and you 
it's beyond the natural. The Lord says, I don't even see those things anymore. I'm looking through the blood of my son at your life, and he bypasses this natural world. And that's that place that we get to in Christ in humility. And that's a place that we must live in, not just come to once at the cross, but we must live in that place of humility for the rest of our lives. That's the place where we're going to have victory and dominion on this earth is that place of humility for all of our days. And uh, I just want to read a few more verses and then I'm going to close. Um, We need to understand this. Jesus comes in the book of Luke chapter 24 to the disciples again. Another uh, case where he comes to them And he says to them in verse 38, Luke 24, verse 38, Why are you frightened, he asked? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And he said, Look at my hands, look at my feet, you can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. Then he said, When I was with you before, verse 44. Now this is key. All right, We have not been able to touch him like they did. But we can listen to these verses. When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, is I told you things before, but what you're doing right now is even though my word says that I'm faithful, Even though my word says I'm good and I'm always good. Even though my word says I will never leave you and never forsake you. Even though my word says that I'm the healer. Even though my word says I'm the provider. Even though my word says I'm the protector. You have decided based on your senses, based on your human perception, and you have created a reality that I and not any of those things, that I died, and I'm in the grave, and now suddenly I have to prove myself to you. And what Jesus is saying is, he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me. What Jesus wanted the disciples to get to is the same place that we must get to today. Now, Christians, I've been saying throughout this sermon about belief, and again, I said earlier, you might say in yourself, well, I do believe. I don't doubt Jesus. I don't doubt his resurrection. I don't doubt those things. But every time that we get into fear, we get into worry, every time that we start to try to figure stuff out in the natural, in our human nature, what we are doing is doubting Christ. It may not seem like it. Uh, it's because it's 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 hidden. It's kind of uh, the devil is shrouding it with uh, with confusion. He shrouds it. You you just say, well, I just don't know what to think. But we should know what to think. We come to the place where we say, I don't know, but I do know. I don't know what to think, but I do think. I think that Jesus is who he says he is. And he will do what he said he will do. And my reality right now is telling me that 
it, it tells me that God is not faithful. My reality right now looks like God has abandoned me. Even Jesus on the cross for a moment, even Jesus, and I think that the Lord did this because he had to get to the place of humanity. Jesus had to experience humanity. In order for his blood to be equal to our blood, it had to be human. Uh, he was Christ, and he was divine, but he needed to be the human on the cross and do it purely so that that blood could equal our blood. Okay, So he's on the cross, and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? He had to get to that place, in that, that human place, that place of, of it seems like it appears. He went to the very bottom. He had trusted God, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. He told us to pray, and then he prays that in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will, not my will, your will. And now he's on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? Now the Lord immediately redeems him. It's finished, it's complete, it's done. He breathes his last, and the Lord takes him. The Father takes uh, our Lord Jesus Christ uh, his spirit off that cross, and he's resurrected. All right, amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. We praise you, God, for that. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's, it's, we can't even fathom how big that is. Uh, but for a moment, even Jesus, uh, it appeared. It appeared. He says those words, and I believe the, the scriptures. I mean, he, uh, in one respect, he's just doing it to fulfill scriptures. What, you know, a lot of the things he does, and he says, he, okay, yes, he's fulfilling things, but I don't want to just look at Jesus as all he did is walk around like a robot for, you know, fulfilling Isaiah. He was living it out. Isaiah just saw what he would live out. And I think that was a real reality for him in that moment was he had trusted God to the very brink, to the very end. And, the, they, and he's on the cross and they let him, he let him do all that. And that's done. I mean, that's it. It's done. And he knows he's dying. But it looks like, okay, God. All right, Lord, I've been trusting you. I trusted you. I told you you have it, uh, but where are you? Now, the Lord immediately came to his rescue, just like he will to us. But my point is, is that the reality, the perception is that we're, we are, are judging God, and we base God, and we base his intentions, and we base him on what we are experiencing in the moment and what we are feeling. And we cannot do that. We cannot base... Uh, God on what you feel or don't feel, okay? And so we read that he says to them back in, in Luke 24, that he says to them, uh, verse 45, that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So they had to get to the place where they just believed the scriptures. They believed what had been said. And it had to be greater. Their belief in the scriptures had to rise up and be greater than their reality. And come on, guys, all of us would be just like them. If we saw Jesus crucified and we knew he was gone, I think all of us would be just like them. And we would be looking and saying, uh, well, that's it. It's done. And I don't know who this guy is here now. I want to believe it's him, but I don't know. But Jesus is telling us, if you believe the scriptures, then you would know. If you believe the scriptures, then you wouldn't look with your natural human mind and try to figure this out and debate me and have to touch me. You would know, okay, well, that's what the scriptures said, so I believe it. 
He said, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And that was obviously leading into their commission for for uh, humanity, ultimately the commission that got us saved, and then we have that commission now to preach to others. That just as the scriptures told that Jesus would do what he did, that he would rise, he would die, he would rise from the dead, the scriptures also being proclaimed, it also told that he would uh, give us this uh, commission that we have now. And we can look at those verses and say, okay, Lord, that's it. I believe your word. I believe your scriptures. If we would come to terms with this based on no matter what's coming in and out of our reality, no matter what's shake, trying to shake our reality right now and just try to shake what we believe and what we know, and, and it's going to keep trying, okay? The enemy is going to keep trying. The world just kind of does it on its own uh, because the world is un an unbelief. You know, they're not even trying to necessarily get you to believe their beliefs. Some are, but there's just so much unbelief around you that it's it's kind of like a... Uh, is like this virus, it's just creeping around you, this unbelief and doubt, because everywhere you look, everything you hear is is completely anti-God. It's, um, it's all about, you know, what we want and what we feel, and this is what we think, and we're just an animal, and so on. And that's just around us at all times, and it's trying to shake your faith. But we must come to terms with our faith being based on his word and on his word alone. And when we do that, we're going to have a much more stable reality, not just in faith, okay, I believe you, Jesus, that you resurrected from the dead and that you're alive, and I know my, I'm going to be with you one day. I think that if you're listening out there and you're a believer, you know that. But, the, but your faith uh, shaken in just everyday life. You know, you go through a hard time, or maybe you got sick, or maybe something happened to you, or maybe someone did something to you, or things were stolen from you, or life just didn't go your way, and we are tempted to question God and question His motives and question God's intentions and even question if God is even real. And we have to decide that I believe the Scriptures even though all of my senses are telling me my human senses right now in this moment that God has forsaken me or that maybe even God isn't even real. We have to decide in that moment that we believe the word. We trust God's word. Faith really is trust. We could go all through Hebrews 11, and maybe we will in the future, but if you look at each and every one of their stories they all experienced different things, some good things, some bad things, but all of them had trusted God even though it didn't make <clears throat> sense. Excuse me. I want to just close with this very last. Uh, I told you I had a couple more chunks of Scripture, and this is the very last one from Luke chapter 16. Um, this is an interesting story. Because it talks about this rich man in Luke 16 that dies. Uh, he dies, and he goes into 
we we don't know exactly what this place is. If this is hell or if this is the pre-hell, a place that is held. I mean, you're going to hear all kinds of theories, and I know people very smart out there are going to tell you exactly what this is. But the scriptures don't completely tell us. So when they sit down and tell you very wisely exactly what this is, they're using a lot of assumptions and presumptions. But we, what we do know is that there was this place where the dead went, and it's called Abraham's bosom. And apparently, based on the scriptures, not based on my opinion, based on Luke chapter 16, there was the good and the bad both in this place of dead, separated by this great chasm. This, uh, and one side was suffering, and one side was now in paradise. Those with Abraham in paradise. And this rich man looks across the chasm in verse 27, and he says in his suffering, he says, Father Abraham, Luke 16, verse 27, uh, please send, he's talking about this poor guy who's now there with a guy named Lazarus, a different Lazarus, uh, but send him to my father's home, verse 28, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, if someone is sent from the dead, let me just add some things here. If God will just give me a sign right now, I'll believe. If God will just, if he'll encourage me, then I'll believe again. If God will prove himself right now, then I'll believe. If, if he can do something supernatural and miraculous, remember Jesus, if we just rewind, Jesus, uh, it's recorded in multiple places and recorded in Matthew, uh, specifically that he said, you wicked and adulterous generation that you demand a sign. Okay, now when God gives us signs and wonders, again, I love when I get to see God through my senses, but my knowing of him is not based on that. That's just a bonus. It's just, it is an encouragement, but I have to choose to believe whether I see it or feel it or know it in my human part of me at all. I have to believe within my spirit, man. My faith is anchored in the scriptures and in the promises of the scriptures that Jesus will never forsake me, that Jesus is preparing a place for you and I. And so he said, uh, Father, if someone is sent from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Even if, it says here in Luke 16, that if someone came back from the dead and said, hey, I've seen it, I've been there, I tasted death, and I'm warning you, it's real. I'm warning you, Jesus is real. Or, or let's just add some, I'm going to add a little bit of license here. 
and uh, and just let's just go on and say some other things. Jesus sends someone back, and someone comes into your house and says, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you, and even though you're sick right now, he still loves you. Even though you're suffering right now, he still loves you. Now, that's amazing. I'd love that moment, but what he's saying here is, is that really our belief, it has to be deeper than that. It would have to be deeper than that because that can emphasize, like, for instance, just quickly, I love that Christian scientists, uh, they squash these, these worldly evolutionist scientists. If you ever watch these guys, they'll just squash their theories down to nothing. They just really boil down the, the, the scientific community's lies as just garbage. It's so clear. Uh, and I love it. But all that does for me is it emphasizes, it boosts, it, it, it uh, causes what I already know and believe to be, uh, to be uh, stronger. But I've already chosen to believe that God created the world in seven days, and then he did it supernaturally in the unseen. He took nothing, Hebrews 11.3 says, and created something. I've already believed that. And I love when Christian scientists can show, actually, the flood and things like that. But I don't believe based on those things. That's just extra for me. So if someone comes and encourages me, I already have to believe what they're doing is encouraging what I already know, what I already believe. What this says in Luke 16 is you are not going to convince someone just with the signs and the wonders, even someone back from the dead. The belief has to be based in the scriptures. And so church, just with, I just want to say this. I want to, you to be encouraged. You have been given time here and hopefully you've used some of it uh, wisely to get into his word. If you have not, I want you to get into his word deeper. And we must choose to anchor to this word, to believe that what he said, uh, his, his character, his nature, it's all in that word of God, who God is, his kindness, his mercy. And even when he's mysterious, it's because he's working plans out. I could keep going. I have some other examples here and I won't. Uh, but there are many, many times where God does show up in the natural uh, but he doesn't need he doesn't need to, but he did. Uh, but it emphasized and it, and it strengthened a faith that was already inside of us. If the Lord does things in signs and wonders and shows us and proves Himself to us, it's only going to have power if we already know within our heart that He's God. And so I just want to encourage you: know His Word. Uh, no matter what you're going through today, His Word is the only anchor that you can possibly hold on to. You cannot hold on to your experiences. They're not enough. Your experiences have to be intertwined into the scriptures. The scriptures have to be fact, and then your experience based on those scriptures, fine. But it cannot just be an experiential Christianity, because otherwise, if you do that, if you try to be an experiential Christian, then you will be uh, a wishy-washy Christian, the, the Bible calls you a wave that just, it's moved around. Your faith will be moved around like a wave here and there and everywhere. But we are stable. We are consistent. We are steadfast. We are immovable. Right? These are just some of the, the words that the Greek translates into. 
uh, that that's who we are as Christians. So I bless you, I pray for you, and I encourage you in this time, know your God. If we know Him and just know Him and don't look in the natural, then you will be much stronger through this time and through the rest of your life. Amen. Bless you. I'll see you real soon.